0: Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, everyone. Hello. Now, today's guest, Adam Hussey, is really interesting. Now, he has been in property full-time for 18 months and him and his business partner, Stephen, have amassed 19 properties. Yep, 19 in 18 months. I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? How did he do it? Well, you have to listen to find out. But before that, he quit university in the middle of his degree. Mm-mm, interesting decision, but yeah, it paid off because he built up a high-end kitchen studio with his business partner, Stephen, which he's now stepped away from, which is leveraged lifestyle. He attended the Progressive Property Masterclass and since then has been on a whirlwind adventure. And his first property after going full-time was a HMO. I mean, that's not vanilla, is it? Well, Take a listen. Adam, welcome to the TED Talks podcast.
1: Thank you very much. It's a privilege.
0: Well, it's a privilege to have you here. I think, you know, you have been connected on Facebook for, I, I think, quite a while. And I've seen your videos, seen your posts, and I could never figure out what you did. I wasn't sure if it was a kitchen's business or if it was property or, or something else, because I feel like in your videos, in your content, you give quite a lot of advice that is applicable to any business and anyone right so i think i called you, you know we organized a call got to know you better and thought hold on a minute your story is amazing um hmm. and that that people should really hear this and i know you're keen to kind of give back and help the community right so let, let's kind of get into it so like before you got into property which was fairly recently which you'll get to i'm sure what were you doing with your sort of career beforehand
1: well I think we'd have to go back um, a good 12, 13 years ago when it when it really all started. So um, effectively, I, w- I was doing a biochemistry degree. I was um, a year and a half, so halfway through the course. Um, and it was, you know, going fine, I guess. And, um, you know, my, my brother-in-law uh, at the time had started a new business, which was effectively – as random as it sounds, um, importing natural stone from the likes of Africa and, and parts of India, bringing it over to the UK and then selling it on to um, people that would acquire it in the UK for large stone projects, kitchen countertops, that kind of thing. Um, and he was uh, at a bit of a, an, a crossroads where he needed someone he could trust, someone that would help him. He asked me, to the to the absolute delight of my parents, I dropped out for university and, um, and and embarked on that adventure with him. Um, it grew very quickly, which is something which was great and, and bad at the same time. Now you know, in hindsight, we um, we developed a fabrication unit with all the stone we started to sell the stone on then we started to manufacture and process the stone we started at the templating the installation side of the material for you know banks nightclubs restaurants residential homes anyone that would want a you know a natural stone or artificial stone surface and then that led on to designing high-end kitchens we have an affiliation with a well-known German brand um, and it's kind of progressed and rolled on right until this day, really, where we now, um, you know, on a large scale design and install and project manage high-end installations from start to finish. Um, and that that, that company, that, that's Domo Direct, and that's still going today. Um, and, you know, during that, that 12 or 13 year period, we, we purchased properties. Myself and Stephen, um, you know, accidental landlords, if you like. It wasn't in the business name or anything like that. We just had some spare cash, and and we we always loved properties and the thought of the, you know such a great investment, um, and obviously to try and get a bit of a return in the interim. So we purchased four each, um, and 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 then it, you know all the new laws came into effect or are coming into effect, and it really then dawned on us that. Maybe we should be taking a closer look at property as a full-time element, or at least more time, um, because our business now is a little bit more self-sufficient. It doesn't require us to be quite so hands-on all the time. Um, and, and, and yeah, and you know, we've we've done many things, in, you know, over the course of those twelve years. Stephen has, has you know started up a, a whole new element, a whole new business over in Dubai, which is a, a huge enterprise, which is uh, you know kitchens and, and furniture and. Bespoke wardrobe and living areas, so it's um, you know it's, it's 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 a big task that we've sort of gone from such a small company, very very small, just me and Stephen in twelve years, a hell of a lot more of us now. But property's all we've always come back to property. We've always really enjoyed it, really loved it. Um, and so about a year and a half ago, we decided to actively take steps to make that a bit more of our everyday living and our, our everyday work lifestyle. So we started up a new business, started up Doma Developments, and um, entered those those famous uh, doors at Peterborough, Progressive <laughs> Property, <laughs> and the rest is history, to be honest. Wow.
0: So, you know, that's pretty crazy because I think, you know, you were a very young adult when you quit education to you quit something quite secure and standard and kind of what society wants to run a business when you had you know no real experience right and it's it's crazy because you look at people who are sort of double your age now and and back when you left university and it's such a struggle to leave the kind of standard well-paid nine-to-five job how at that age was it just like bravery or sort of courage or stupidity like what made you just leave and say no experience, but I'm I'm gonna make this happen.
1: Yeah, I think it was a mixture of all of those elements. To be quite <laughs> honest, um, stupidity was definitely one of them. I can assure <laughs> you of that. Um, I have to stress though that the leading force, and I, I, you know, I'll always give credit where it's due. The leading force was with with my, with, with my business partner Stephen, and not so much with me. I'm not sure if I would have had the audacity or the courage to do it if it was all on my back, all by myself, and people that do do that I I fully appreciate and 100% hold my hands up and congratulate them to do that because, um, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to do that. You know, you always have people watching you, judging you, even if, you know, they're, you know, close family and friends. Like my my parents, for example, were extremely disappointed um, because, like you said, society has you one-tracked mind almost that you have to go to college and you have to go to university to secure good jobs and, and so forth. And, you know, I've never quite said it to my parents, but they know it's in the back of my mind when you have that, I told you so look. That <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd said, but I haven't yet. So, yeah, it was it was definitely definitely a few elements. Yeah, stupidity is one of them. Courage was one of them. Um, and a little bit of the unknown, which excited me, to be honest. Because you're right, I had no experience. I, I literally knew nothing about stone of any type um, or importing of any type or how to run or manage a business. So it was... Yeah, it was daunting, but it, it seemed to work out in the end.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely did work out. So let's kind of um, go to the end of that story there. So you walk through the famous doors at Progressive um, and and what happened? At, you know, briefly, what happened at Progressive and how did that, you know, launch or start your sort of property full time journey?
1: Yeah, so I know that a lot of people that get involved with the progressive community often start with the Masopi course. Um myself and Stephen didn't. We we sort of jumped in head first as we usually do with things that are business related and and went straight to the masterclass, the four-day masterclass. So it was quite intense. Um, and we had done some research, we had done some some uh, digging around, and we had already had an idea of what area we wanted to concentrate on, because we had heard a lot of people in the progressive community really focus and hone in on which area, target area, you're going to make your own. Um, and we had picked Swindon, funnily enough. And, and, and the reason we had picked Swindon was because, obviously, we were um, living in Berkshire. It was down the M4 corridor. We could get there in 40 minutes. The figures were Okay. I wouldn't say they were amazing, but they were okay. Um, and we were very close to closing our first deal, actually during the Friday of the masterclass. Um, and then we decided to hold off on the completion, and we wanted to just finish the course and and, and sort of gather our thoughts before we took the final plunge. And during the four days, um, all of the, you know, the, the speakers during those four days um, were always coming back to a particular area and they were always talking about the Midlands, always talking about Birmingham. Um, so myself and Stephen, after every night, would just go back and have a little look on the older, uh, you know, Rightmove, the most popular property app of all time basically and um, tried to dig out a specific spot around or in and around Birmingham that we liked the look of and we came across a couple of pockets um, and we were shocked. I mean, I'm not going to lie that the, the prices and, and what you get for your money was, was fantastic compared to what we were looking at in Swindon and in a different league altogether than what you can get in Berkshire. Um, and we, we pulled out, you know, it was, it was one of those things which, which we would never do in our circumstance now, but we felt in our heart of hearts that Swindon wasn't the area, um, and and we, we pulled out, you know. We we spoke to the estate agent. We even drove down afterwards to, to sort of face to face apologise because we felt so bad about it. To be quite honest, it's not something that you would uh, obviously make a habit on. Um, and then the Wednesday after masterclass, I was up there with Stephen, um, you know, walking into eight or nine different estate agents, introducing ourselves as uh, property investors for the area, which to start with went down like a lead balloon, to be honest. It was, um, you know, it was the case of, oh, here's another one from down south. Um, you know, and it, it took some time. It was quite hostile. I'm not going to lie to you. It was quite a hostile environment for the first, I would say, two to three months. Um, and now I I was always in there every Wednesday, like clockwork, box of donuts in hand. Um, and after, after a while, it, you know, people got gradually warmer and warmer to me. And then obviously more and more viewings came up and we offered them more and more and we purchased slowly started purchasing properties and 18 months on it's a whole different ball game now um the most of our deals still come from estate agents but you know we were in a fortunate position where our relationships are extremely strong um and and you know we we do reap the benefits because of that yeah uh, hard work yeah
0: and i think it's it's important that you've said that because it's taken 18 months or or, or so or a bit less to get to a stage where agents probably call you As soon as they're valued a property and say, Adam, I've got this property. I know you're going to love it. And then you can kind of move quick and get things done quick. They get their commission quick. But it's taken time to get there, right? And I think with agents, like you said, it can be hostile, especially in Birmingham if you're a Londoner, like standard, it's going to be hostile. Um, But I think it's important for anyone who's new in property to realise that it, you know, you look around and see... I look at you and I think, wow, he's got this relationship with agents. I mean, easy as that. But actually it's taken you every wednesday loads of boxes of donuts whatever it was to get to that stage so i'm glad you kind of brought that up That's it's good to share the reality of working with agents and you know from working with agents has there been i don't know one tip or one piece of advice that you would give others to make their lives easier when working with agents
1: to be honest i, yeah, I think um You know, I think what we have to remember here is that agents, a lot of the time, and I I don't mean to stereotype, but a lot of the agents um, are are actually quite new to the business themselves, some of the time. Like, you, you, a lot of the estate agents, like the turnover estate agents that I meet over the past 18 months, has been very, very high. There's only a couple of select estate agents where I've met the same person or spoke speaking to the same people every week, week in, week out. Um, a lot of the estate agents, especially in my early time of visiting, um, you know, probably more common estate, high street agents anyway, were very, very young um, and, and they left and then someone else sort of came in their place and then they left. Um, and I always think we do get under the, probably we, we, we sort of begin to think that the estate agents are the experts on all fields related to property and I think it's really important that we, that we really take a step back and understand that they're not as much as they maybe would like to profess. And if you actually get to know them, they'll probably hold their hands up and say, look, you know, it's not my area. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Could you, (laughs) could you tell me how much this would rent out for? Sorry, I don't work in Lettins. You know, it's one of those things. And I think, I think we're so scared sometimes as newbies and people in the intermediate area and maybe even in advanced situations where you're so scared to go in and speak to these people because you're worried about saying something incorrect or in, you know completely wrong or whatever else and I think um, I think it's important to remember that these people are A, humans and, and B, from my experience they don't know as much as maybe you think they do um, so yeah, I mean, it was difficult I'm, I'm not going to lie to you especially the first six to eight weeks was really tough, it was a case of Thanks for the donuts. We have nothing for you. There's the door, kind of thing, and it was that hostile. You know, there's no exaggeration there. Um, and it took it took a bit of time. It took a bit of time. And now it's you know I walk in, cups of teas, the donuts are open. You know, we're all some of us are on WhatsApp groups together. You know, I, I get phone calls, like you said, before they hit the market, um, and they're kind of rooting for you. They're in your corner. It's fantastic. So, yeah, but it does take time, and, and it, it, you know, you have to you have to persevere. And it's difficult. I, I truly do sympathize with people that would give up after two, three, four, five months thinking I'm getting nowhere because it is disheartening, you know, when you, when you get that cold face and the, the arm ushered towards the door kind of thing. And, I, and even going in for the first time, I mean, I, I remember almost shaking outside because um, me and Stephen sort of, we hit the high street. I took one side, he took the other. And, yeah, I, you know, so I wasn't actually going in with Stephen or Stephen wasn't going in with me. I was sort of going in by myself. And I just remember thinking, what am I doing? Like, What <laughs> am I doing right now?
0: And it was yeah. nerve-wracking.
1: But, yeah, like, like I said, as all things. Keep on going, keep on, uh, keep on progressing, and, it, it you know, it, it does pay.
0: Absolutely. Solid advice. So do you remember the first deal you bought in, in the Midlands or one of the first—
1: yeah that will always stick with me to be honest because totally um so we had I me mean, we had a, a very set a set goal of of um very boring very vanilla buy to the model that was always spoke about at the master class and they really focused on um so obviously in true uh, adam and Stephen style the first property you bought was a hmo <laughs> which was uh daunting to say to say the least um because of all the obviously regulations and stuff that you have on top of it being a standard buy to let. So it was a little bit, completely out of our comfort zone. Um, so we purchased a property at Park Hill Street. Um, it was 85000 I couldn't believe the price. It was a three bedroom, um, three bedroom terraced house. And we turned it into a five bedroom HMO. Um, and the figures were, were, were really, really good. They really stacked up really, really well. I think we I think we purchased it for $80,000. Um, and it was a twenty-five. dollars a thousand pound refurb, um, including the fees. And yeah, that was about six, that was 18 months ago because it was our first deal. And that's valued at 140,000 now with a £1,500 cash flow coming in. So we we did have some help along the way with that one. Um, you know, there were some people that we relied upon, and uh, you know, we do with every sort of deal that we do, to be honest. But um, that was a baptism by fire, to say the least. But it, again, it, it all worked out okay in the end
0: wow and and so those figures you know one deal there is is sort of financial coverage i guess for a lot of people in terms of paying for their bills paying for their mortgage paying for the kind of real essentials you know they could be financially covered from from one or two deals and that happened to be your first right so that's that's pretty awesome like i know the way you kind of spoke about this deal sounds as if there were some challenges or things that went wrong or something you learned
1: yeah so there were some challenges, and i you know i'm i'm not i have to admit i don't know if, if anyone will relate to this, but progressive do talk heavily about the power team, and I say that with air quotes um and I don't like that term I, for some reason it doesn't doesn't really stick with me very well but you you do have to have the right people, the right information um around you at all times, and um where we really lucked out if you like was um me going to uh, the PPN um, Birmingham specifically, and meeting a whole range of people, and that's where we met um, our builder and contractor who still works with us today. And he really helped us out on on, the fir- on that first property, guided us through the, the regulations, what you can do, what you can't do, the best sort of method to take things through on a refurbishment scale. It was. It was really helpful, you know. We can't pay, we can't thank him enough, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, we've continued to use him all the way through, and we, you know, we are still seeking his advice and asking for his opinion on on most deals that we do, especially of the larger scale. So there were some challenges in there. I would love to, say, in fact, I don't think I've ever purchased a property where it's gone completely smooth all the way through. But this one was particularly challenging because we we had to make another room upstairs. Um, so he partitioned off one of the big rooms and made it into two smaller rooms. Um, and without the help of um, John, um, it would have been three, four times as tough, definitely.
0: Mm. And so you met him at this networking event. How did you know that you could trust him sort of on your first project and you could work with him? Like, what were the signs? Did you have referrals? How did you kind of build trust with him?
1: Not, yeah, in terms of referrals, not so much. Um, it was more of a gut feeling, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm... I, if anyone that ever knows me will know that I'm pretty much the same in any situation, you know, so you can throw me into a high end restaurant and I'll be the same as what I am in McDonald's. You know, it's, it's, it's the way I'm built kind of thing. And um, John was exactly the same. He was on the same level as me, same page as me, clearly understood what he was talking about. Um, and we just really hit it off. You know, I think the first couple of times we spoke for the majority of the networking event, we, we didn't even discuss property. It was more about what he likes to do and what I like to do, and you know, just to get each, get to know each other on a more personal basis, um, and we just clicked, We just got on really, really well, and, and we still do today. I you know I see him every week. You know, cups of teas and donuts are flying all over the show. It's um, <laughs> it, it's a good relationship, yeah, definitely.
0: Awesome. So then that was your first deal as a HMO. Now, when it comes to HMOs, one thing that I, and I think I personally struggle with this as well is I always think. You know, is there gonna be demand? And as much as you can go on spare room and compare the ratios, it's not the most accurate data. Like how did you know that in this area you would have a full or nearly full HMO for sort of most of the year and you'd be able to kind of be hands off as such?
1: It's all down to networking, Tej, to be honest. Um different networking events. I'm I'm trying to position myself to meet the right people um and ask the right questions when I have the opportunity. I was fortunate enough to meet um, leaders who sort of own and work heavily within companies that are specifically related to HMO companies. So they're not letting agents where they sort of diverse into single buy to lets and, and whatever else. They just concentrate on HMOs. And I managed to position myself in front of um, a particularly influential chap that sort of runs that area um, in, in terms of locality to where our properties were. And you know, I, just, I simply ask the questions, and I, you know, obviously you have to take things with a pinch of salt and do do a bit of due diligence yourself. Um, but again, he was saying all the right things. It did a bit of research. It seemed to back up what he was saying. Um, and, and again, they they you know, I'm not saying they're all full all the time, but certainly the majority of them are full. And uh, I think that you have to just be a bit realistic in terms of the time frame you expect to let them out. It's not a case of you know, all the rooms are vacant and then two weeks later they're all full. You know, it's it's a slower process. So as long as you have that in mind and, like I said, you've done your research, you, you should be okay.
0: Okay. So that was the first deal, which was 18 months ago. Let's, let's kind of fast forward to where we are now. How many properties do you and Steve both do you own in your company?
1: So it would be um, 19 at the moment and we are just – well, we're actually going to start start building or going through the final stages of um, uh, planning for our first new build project, which is 18 single bed flats um, or apartments, which um, we're very excited about. And so, we are hoping to um, be able to hit 60 individual properties by uh, March 2020. That's really our main goal. To be honest. So.
0: So hold on, let's let's. You you said you have nineteen properties purchased in your first eighteen months of doing property full time. Correct. I mean that's pretty awesome. If I could give you a round of applause, sound effect, I would. Like that's, um, you know that's kind of unusual. And I I feel like that's you know you're one out of every twenty people will kind of achieve the level you have. You may agree, you may disagree, but what do you think has given you the edge? To be able to purchase that many in such a short space of time
1: first of all i'd probably like to say that because i don't really have anyone or another business to compare it to uh, and because of the nature of, of the way i am and, and certainly Stephen, we don't think that's enough we're not satisfied with that um so it's nice to get individual feedback from people who perhaps have a wider range of talking to people in terms of what they own and how long it's taken them to accrue that number. Um, but it's difficult to say, to be honest, it's, it's been compounding is probably, and Stephen loves that word, but it it really does. It really does work. You know, it's, it's every week doing the same thing with the same routine and it can get mundane and it can get boring, but it, it really does, does, you know, pay dividend at the end. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, meeting the right people, putting yourself out there, expressing yourself on social media within limits, obviously. Um, and, and, you know, and just letting it roll because it, you, you'll find that it's, it's the snowball effect. You know, as soon as you, you get one, two and three and four come along fairly quickly and, it, and it's happened like that all the way through. And as soon as you have your systems and your, you know, your organization down to a T, um, it, it does begin to pack, uh, sort of pick up pace really, really quickly. Now, like I said earlier on at the beginning of this this particular bit, I said that I'm, um, you know, nothing really to compare it to, and I, you know, I'm never satisfied. That's one of a, a huge bonus, I suppose, and a, and a huge downfall of a characteristic of mine. Um, and I'd love to see that number higher quicker. But um there are restrictions, you know, there's there's time, there are there's obviously financial restrictions, and then there's the, the unknown where you, you never know what's gonna happen next. So kind of you to say, but we would uh, yeah, I, w- I would definitely like that number to be higher, to be honest.
0: Good. Well that's the kind of drive and ambition you need, right? I mean you you know you could stop at this number and, and be happy, I'm sure, or someone else could stop at that number and be happy, but you want more, so uh, you'll get it, right? Um so and out of interest, these this number of properties Would you say that it brings you and Stephen, your business partner, financial freedom or financial security? Or, you know, could someone live off that and be happy? That's kind of a deep question, but...
1: Mm, For us, it's a bit different. Even in the early days of Domo Direct, every penny that we made was pumped or siphoned straight back into the business. Um, And that happened for the first three, four years and, and the same thing is happening here. Um, it, you know, we haven't yet had to or needed to take a single penny for ourselves over the course of the 18 months. It's all been reinvested back um, to help benefit and grow the business faster, further on down the line. So, I would say, from a monetary value, yes, people can live off that kind of income. And I would probably say the majority of people would would have a you know, an adequate life, you know, everything they need, I would have thought to a certain degree. But at the minute, we we haven't done that at all. We've uh, simply pushed it all back in, um, whether that be on education and, you know, courses for ourselves, whether that be, um, you know, revamping some of the properties or indeed helping us buy new properties, but it's all gone back into the business at this stage.
0: Okay, cool. And actually, you know, you mentioned your new build. I think um, your business partner posted that on Facebook. So if anyone wants to have a look at the kind of top-down planning view of it, do have a look because I saw that and I was like, wow, it, it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, again, I mean, it's, it's 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 our first ever attempt to build, a, you know, a new build from the ground up. So like true Adam and Steve fashion, it's not a couple of houses. It's a block of eighteen apartments at this stage. So we've kind of again gone in. Headfirst, but again we have the right support and the right team with us all the way through so far. So it's uh, it's looking good at the moment, yeah.
0: Awesome. I think I feel like you've got a in, in Adam and Steven style, you you are very good at jumping in head first and making a success of it, right? Whereas other people might want to kind of be slower or safer, but hey, it works for you, right? So keep keep yeah. doing it. Now, all these houses and all these refurbs and costs and legals and all the other stuff that piles up takes a bit of cash. Now, I think everyone who's listening is probably wondering, okay, 19 and 18 months, how did you finance these? Where did you get the, the cash from?
1: So, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. When we first started up the business, um, we, we did inject some, some money ourselves. It wasn't an astronomical amount. It would probably be enough to get you a semi-decent three-bedroom, semi-detached house in Birmingham. Um, or or surrounding areas. So it wasn't a huge amount of money, but we needed some start-up capital. Um, And this is where me and Stephen, on a very rare basis, uh, disagreed, um, because he was very much of the mindset, which and I wasn't quite there yet, of, um, you know, drawing people in to earn interest off their own money. Um, And then we would obviously invest in properties for them and effectively using other people's money to to give them a great return back, but for us to help buy our own properties with. And um, obviously, we covered that in the master class of the, the buy, refurb, refinance model. And uh, I struggled with that for a long time. You know, I would say a good three to six months. I, ju- I just couldn't get my head around why people would do that, even when you were looking at the figures. And obviously, the interest rates were just so crazily high compared to what you would get in the bank, and it, it did take me a bit of time to sort of get my head around that and come to terms of it. Um, one thing I didn't count on was the the 12 years experience in a completely different business, which actually helped us, you know, no end to gain funds for this part of this business because um, you know obviously people that are in the kitchen design stone industry knew us whether they were competitors in that industry or not but they knew us they knew what 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 we had accomplished over the past 10 to 12 years um, you know, and they were asking questions, you know, and when we put the, the feelers out there, if you like, they were asking questions, they were, you know, how can I get in on this? How can I, how can I make my money work for me? Um, and again, it took a long time. You know, it didn't happen overnight. It was three to six months at least before you got a, a bite of any kind. It was social media, um, attacking, if you like, in a nice way, uh, consistently. Um, and now it's up to the stage where people, are approaching us and, and sort of saying, "Look, I've got this x amount of thousands. Can I give it to you? What can you do for me it's 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 still a bit surreal to be honest um so yeah we've we've had we've had some uh some awesome people that have approached us and allowed us to uh become joint venture partners with us, yeah.
0: Wow. I guess it must be a funny feeling when uh, someone comes up to you and says, I've got a bag of cash. Can you take it off my hands, please? And uh, (laughs) kind of do what you need to do and just give me a return because it's. And I think that is something. and, And you know, you said you struggled with it that when I went to the masterclass and people around me, and even now, it's one of those things that people think that's going to be the hardest part. Like, how am I going to find the money? But actually, something you touched on there was knowing your value. Like, you had built a business in, you know, a competitive space from such a young age into where it is now with lots of staff, like, that in itself is an achievement that, you know, you probably look at and think, oh, you know, standard, just built a business, It's, it's kind of what I do, whereas I and others would say, oh, okay, well, there's some proof that he can take money, take responsibility and build something fantastic that is good quality because, you know, I've been to your showroom or I've met you. Hold on, he must be able to do the same thing with property. It's, you know, it's easy. And that's an important thing for people listening is like, look at yourself, look at your reflection and say, "Hmm, I've done this completely irrelevant, but the skills are transferable. Let me show this off, like on social media. Um, And and you you mentioned social media, like I'm a big advocate for social media and building a personal brand and being different and, and being yourself. How important has social media been to your success?
1: Hugely. Um, hugely, and I'm I I'm the first to admit that I have been slacking. And you mentioned the word brand there, Ted, which I think is massively important. And I, I I would definitely put myself into the category of someone that can do more and and do better at that particular element of our business. Um, you know, it is difficult and it, it is daunting. You know, you're opening opening yourself up to a whole world of everything from ridicule to um, congratulations. You're you're, you're going to be bombarded with with messages if you're, uh, you know, obviously on Facebook on a, on a regular basis. Um, as people like Rob Moore, for example, experts in the field, um, uh, you know, we can only hope to be that kind of influential on social media, but it, it, social media played a big part. And I think it really did hit home when one of our main competitors at Domo Direct in the uh, kitchen and design studio sort of business one of our one of our main competitors within that business approached us and said, Look, forget about us being competitors at Domo Direct. I've seen what you guys are doing at Domo Development. I wanna give you some of my profits to go and make me some more money within property. And I think when that happened it was you know, it was the, probably the biggest metaphorical metaphorical slap on the back or pat on the shoulder that I could have uh, wished for because you know we weren't I wouldn't say we were hugely friends at that point um but we knew each other we respected each other um and yet he's you know this company was willing to pass on their profits to us in you know on in a different business to help invest and help his money grow so at that point uh, it really did hit home that this is achievable this can be done and um yeah it's, wow. it's gone from strength to strength
0: I mean that that's pretty powerful, right? I mean, if, if you know, if a family or a friend approaches you and says that, then you think, okay, you know, that's cool. You know me. We, you know, we're kind of friends. But if a kind of direct competitor does that, like you said, it is a real, a strong pat on the back to kind of be like, you know, you are clearly doing something well, and you're building trust without even trying, because you're posting what you're doing. You're just posting pictures of houses, talking about your developments. You're just talking about your life. And yet people have said, hey, I'm going to give you money. So I guess it can be as simple as that. But like you said, there is a time frame. There is a a kind of mental block to get over at the start. Now, speaking of kind of um, mentality, what are your thoughts on having the right mindset in property investment? And, you know, is there anything you do, any particular apps you use to kind of maintain a healthy and and positive mindset?
1: Mindset is 100% the key to... um... I wouldn't say success in you know in general but it is so important it simply can't be undervalued um, you know and and I have no problem in saying that 3 4 years ago in particular was 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 a particularly dark period for myself um, in, on a business level and indeed encroaching into my personal life it was um it was a tough period and looking back now if I had known what I do know now about mindset and could have applied it back to the Adam four years ago, I I would have thought it would have, you know, I would have dealt with it a completely different way. Um, It's easy to say, you know, always be mindful, always be positive, but it's actually being able to do it, which is, which is quite tricky on a consistent level. And the only piece of advice that I can give, because I'm not a professor to be no expert here, but is to surround yourself. And I'm sure everyone, all the listeners have heard this before, but to surround yourself with, like-minded people um, as much as you possibly can um, you know I, I follow certain people on all platforms it even you know as um, you know as basic as Facebook in terms of people that I know who, who are influential who put up positive posts who um, you know YouTube who, who people who post positive videos just to I mean all it takes is a three minute minute video who was hit you in the right spot to really change your whole outlook. Um, and as quickly as you dive into a bad area, you can, you can get yourself out of it if you know where to go. And I think that's really important for people to understand and to know. Um, and you know, I I post probably once a day on Facebook, I probably could do more to be honest, but I post once a day and they're not all super, super happy, positive vibes, you know, all the time. It's difficult to do that. Um, but what I try to do is if, 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 if I'm particularly posting something, which is, um, You know, say it's been a bad day, or you've just been hit from every angle. I I always try to sort of have a little element at the end that sort of says, look, this is it's not the be all and end all here. This is, you know, it's it's not life or death. We can we can get we can get through this. Whether it's by yourself, with your family, or as a community, um, you know, it it can be done. And I think, uh, yeah, mindset is is paramount to any success that's business related, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think on a few of my other podcasts, we've discussed mindset in in quite a bit of detail. Um, Now, it's a bit of a strange one. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on a property viewing?
1: Cool. Weirdest thing I've seen on a property viewing. Um, I would, off the top of my head, I would probably say, I would probably say that Uh, so there was a property, actually this house we actually ended up purchasing, funnily enough Um, and it wasn't technically on a viewing, but it was when the renovation started, it was a um, it was a trap door in the kitchen um, that was, you know, completely disguised, you know, I just didn't even know it was there, no one knew it was there until the builders um, noticed the draft coming from it, it was completely tiled over with the rest of the kitchen floor and it just was like a like a basement kind of but it was kitted out like another room um but it looked like it had been retrofitted if you like it was just no one picked up on it and it was completely invisible so it was a bit creepy (laughs) to be honest (laughs) when we first discovered it yeah we were a bit worried like what are we going to find down here but it was just a normal room but you just like there wasn't even a handle to to raise the, the door up it was it was quite difficult to pry open so completely random wasn't expecting it um, so yeah, that was that was definitely a bit of a hairy moment when we first discovered it because we were a bit worried about what we were going to find. So yeah,
0: yeah, that is that is definitely kind of creepy because if there's no handle, who's coming in and going out of it, and why? Yeah.
1: You you literally had to prise it open with tools, um, and we just thought it was going to be like a dingy, damp, horrible basement kind of thing, but it, it wasn't. It was a it was a proper room plastered. It was you know, painted, there's nothing in it, but um, yeah, very, very strange, very weird.
0: Wow, it sounds like it could be like a a nuclear shelter or or protection from aliens (laughs) or, you know, something where you just run downstairs with tins of spam in it and stuff. Wow, that's interesting. And um, so you you invest in the Midlands and you you still do. Now, I am looking in the Midlands and I've been up there and explored and networked and spoken to agents and people. And a lot of people seem to be saying something very similar. And and that's that London money, London people are going up to the Midlands over by over um, purchasing and overpaying on properties and paying more than what they're worth and kind of raising the prices and maybe, you know, pricing out investors in Birmingham who know what the real prices are meant to be. Are you experiencing that at all?
1: The last eight months, we've definitely experienced an influx of. In terms of the purchase, well, not purchase price, but the the um, advertised price of many of the properties, um, you know, where when we first started, we could easily find houses 75, 80, 70, 85 thousand pounds, um, and now these same houses are up for 95, 100, 110. Um, whether that's influential down to the fact that. You know London money's coming up I'm not sure um, but talking to estate agents I, I hear similar the similar theme where you know they are they are uh, estate agents lead the vendors into uh, a war or, or a battle between estate agents and they're simply pricing the house so they get the actual um, exclusivity on on selling that house even if they know in their heart of hearts that it's not actually going to go for that. Um, So I I, I would probably say that a lot of the houses I'm seeing are overpriced to begin with, but are actually being sold somewhere close to where they should be, as opposed to being overpriced and then sold at that price, from my experience. So the deals are still there. You just have to be a bit patient, um, keep a watchful eye on the particular properties you're interested in, and keep in constant communication with your EAs because that's vital.
0: Okay. And so where else do you live?
1: uh Berkshire Wokenham
0: so you're commuting so that's quite fairly close to me so you're commuting up to Birmingham for your yeah. property investment business now how time consuming is that or do you do anything on your commute is it kind of you know is it bearable was it quite tough at the start talking about that kind of journey and having to do that all the time for business
1: so even in the early days of, of business, um, I'm, I'm pretty militant personally in the way that I regiment my day, um, a little bit OCD that I don't like to admit. You know, I like everything in the right place, right order. Um, that goes down to systems and, and even timeframes. So it wasn't a case of just driving up to, to the West Midlands and, and sort of finding a day that would suit and then randomly choose that day throughout the week where I regimented and made sure that it was every Wednesday wouldn't go into the office. So I would leave straight from my house six o'clock up to um, Dudley, Wolverhampton, surrounding areas and um, and then hit whatever I needed to hit, whether it was estate agents, whether it was particular meetings, whether it was um, you know actually viewing the properties. It was every Wednesday. I drive up there myself. I don't commute in terms of public transport. I make the most of the time taking business calls on the way up, listening to um, you know, audiobooks and podcasts and things um blitz out the whole day as much as i can and then travel back the same day so it's quite hectic in terms of a lot going on in a short space of time but um that's all at that point i felt i could dedicate to being physically in uh the the area where we invest um and then that leads me back down to the team that you have with you who who obviously live there so you know the builders the renovation people the the planners all these people that reside in our area that we work, um, you know, they, they they help no end.
0: Okay, and obviously, you know, the podcast you're listening to is obviously Ted's Talks on repeat, right?
1: Of course, all the time. Like it's it's, it's on loop. Even if I this isn't one episode, it just rolls on.
0: <laughs> yep, you, you, <laughs> you heard it, everyone. Uh, Nineteen properties in eighteen months, and he listens to TED Talks. I mean, come on, this is you know, <laughs> it must be good stuff, right? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So, Adam, unfortunately, that brings us to the um the end of the podcast. We're going to jump into the quick fire round. I still need to do like a voiceover for this, like the quick fire round, right? I need to get something Wait, like that.
1: You should just do exactly what you just did. Just what? I did, yeah, perfect.
0: yeah, amazing. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll I'll drop that again. But before that. I believe you have a freebie to give the listeners, and it's a bit of an interesting one. Do you want to briefly describe what it is?
1: Yeah, so instead of, um, you know, doing it more property related, I thought I would take a step back and do something more on the original business model that we have, which is, like I mentioned, um, stone work surfaces that we fully fabricate. And obviously, everyone has a kitchen. I'd like to think all of you do. Um, some of those kitchens hopefully will have some stonework surfaces that need to be maintained and looked after so we have um, Domo has its own branded um, certified and tested maintenance and care kit which is suitable for stonework surfaces and if anyone out there would like one of those care kits sent out to them um, the usual cost of this is 30 pounds plus fat plus postage what we would be doing it for would be simply ten pounds that would include postage to wherever you are based in the UK mainland hopefully um, and all you have to do is it, uh, send me an email at info@domodirect.com with a promotional code of domotej66 and that will get you that care pack for a very respectable price indeed of £10.
0: Wow I must say I'm flattered I have a voucher code I've I've made it now. I'm, I'm actually sitting here smiling. I don't know why, but I am <laughs> actually so happy now. I've got I've got a code discount. Awesome. Well get in touch with Adam if you want that, everyone. Look after your stones. So, the quick fire round. So, I'm gonna ask you three by three questions, Adam, and they need to be answered fairly kind of succinctly. Um Alright, what are the three biggest mistakes that you've made in property? Uh
1: okay, number one would have been Purchasing a particular property, I remember the name of the street, Ivanhoe Street, and whatever we found was wrong with it, we didn't want to turn away from it. You know, we just wanted to keep on going through, get it to the finish line and and eventually make our money back when what we should have done was simply walk away. So if you've got a bad deal and you've got a bad vibe, walk away, definitely. One of the biggest mistakes was our systems and organization and indeed the structure of the company. Do that quickly. Do it first. We were a bit slow on the uptake. Um, and I would love to have gone back and done that a bit quicker, to be honest. Um, and I would probably say the last one would be um, do do everything, do more of everything if you can. I know that's quite a generic answer, but I, I always felt that we were doing just enough where we could have done just a bit more. So if you think you've got an extra 10% in the tank, you've probably got 20%. So uh, go for it.
0: Cool. And when you're analysing and looking at a potential deal or property, what are three important things that you always consider?
1: We pay particular attention to... the the renovation more than anything else, because I think that is a huge stumbling block for a lot of property investors. Um, And and what I mean by that is the specifics within the renovation. Um, And if you've ever, well, you wouldn't have done, but if if anyone ever sees my videos that I um, send across to Stephen to have a look at with the properties that I see, there are certain elements I'm always looking at. Um, One of them is um, the windows, you know, Definitely need to take concentration on the windows. You can be seriously out of pocket um, by not paying attention to that. The state of the boiler, you know, can't even begin to express how how much money we've lost on one of our properties because of not taking that into consideration. Um, and funny enough, I'd also pay attention and heavy attention to the, to the gardens back and, back and front. Um, you know, you, you would um, speak in specific about renovation. You really want to hone in on how much this is going to cost as quickly and as accurate as you can. Um, taking those three things into consideration is, is greatly going to increase your chances of getting that number bang on the bang on the head, which will ultimately help you with your final figures.
0: Great. And more of a personal one. Now, what are your top three goals for the future? You know, near, mid or, or long distance?
1: Um, so we we feel that 2020 is a, is a big year for us. March 2020, um, that will be three years um, in the in the industry, if you like. Um, and by that time, we want to have 60 individual properties. Um, that would be a really great achievement for us. We feel at this stage, um, we would like to be 100% mobile. So to the sense that I don't have to particularly ever be in the office at Domo Direct. I've completely stepped away from that side of the business as a Steve. Um, you know, so basically we can come and go as we please. We can work from home. We can travel up whenever we like complete freedom. That's really important. Um, and I'm not by any any means saying that I don't enjoy my life at the moment, but I would like to enjoy, um, more of life, um, visiting different places, meet some new people, um, and I hopefully all those three things coincide with uh the first quarter of twenty twenty
0: amazing well, look, you've achieved so much so far, and I think the listeners are going to be really impressed and I know you feel you want more um but I think you know take a step back and and you know appreciate what you've done because it is it is fantastic and I've spoken to a lot of people, right, so I'm not just saying that to, <laughs> to butter you up on the show um. Adam, look, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. I think there's lots of value in this podcast. There's lots of interesting points that you've made as well. And, you know, I wish you the best of luck with achieving your goals. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident you'll achieve them. And I, and I know you are too. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: No, the pleasure is all mine, Tej. Thank you very much indeed. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube for more great content.